Hello and welcome to the Arate Podcast. My name is Richard Triggs and today's guest is Amelia Hodge, Chief Executive Officer at the Queensland Law Society. Well, I hope wherever you're listening to this podcast, you're having a fantastic day. I really enjoyed this conversation with Amelia, and I'm looking forward to introducing her to you in just a moment. But before I do so, for those people who are new to the Arate podcast, let me briefly introduce myself. My name is Richard Triggs, and I'm the managing partner of Arate Executive, and we recruit CEOs, senior leaders, and non-executive directors for our clients throughout Australia. We also provide a range of career coaching and advocacy services for senior executives and non-executive directors actively looking for a new role. So if I can be of assistance to you, either by recruiting into your organisation or helping you with your own career, then I'd welcome the opportunity to have a chat to you. Anyway, let me get on now and introduce to you Amelia Hodge. Amelia Hodge has had a very interesting career. Originally completing law qualifications, she worked in her own business before working across a range of industries, predominantly in relation to infrastructure development. She's currently the CEO of the Queensland Law Society, the professional membership body for approximately 12,500 Queensland lawyers. She holds a Bachelor of Laws, a graduate certificate in property economics and is a graduate of the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. She is also a non-executive director with Lexon Insurance, Artisan and Transmax. Amelia lives in Brisbane and is the mother of two children. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Amelia Hodge. Well, Amelia, thanks very much for uh, joining me today on the Arate podcast. Great to have you along and uh, really looking forward to this conversation. Perhaps just to begin with, uh, you can share with the audience your current professional responsibilities. Yep. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for asking me. Oh, I'm very, very, uh, very privileged to be uh, <laughs> one, of, one of this uh, crew. Um, currently, I'm the CEO at Queensland Law Society. We mm-hmm. are the peak membership body for some 12-odd thousand Queensland solicitors. Okay. Um, we have full-time memberships and part-time memberships. Um, whereby we have our associate professors, um, barristers also okay. uh, can be a mem- can be an associate member. Mm-hmm. Um, we have various functions involved with that. We are, we have a regulatory function in issuing practicing certificates for the solicitors of Queensland, as well as obviously a membership side of our organisation that provides professional development opportunities. We have a very large advocacy team. Mm-hmm. We have thirty eight policy committees that uh, that. Um, advocate our vision is advocating for good law and okay. good lawyers and so uh, this is pretty standard in each state they'd have an equivalent um, yes they society. do yes right. they do okay and uh, you've not been in that role for a very long time just over 12 months right some wow. days it feels like 12 minutes and uh-huh. some days it feels like 12 years okay. so Fantastic. I'm absolutely loving this role oh, it's really well, fun we'll talk uh, a lot more about that a bit later on but uh, and then you're also you um, are a non-executive director for a few boards yes I am okay. I sit on uh, the board at Transmax which yeah. is a the major shareholder is Transport and Main Roads okay it's an IT software transport um, traffic management signaling software okay. yeah 
business. Um, also Lexon Insurance, which is a professional indemnity insurer for mm-hmm. the solicitors in Queensland. With Michael Young. Based in Singapore, yes, yeah. Michael Young. And um, Artisan, which is okay. the old Craft Queensland, but it's sort of... I took that position because it allows me to also have uh, be able to express my creative side because right. I very much love a lover of art. So. Okay. And what's your craft personal craft of choice? My craft of choice is brooches. Oh, as you can see, my nice. beautiful Fantastic. Florence here. Um, but I'm a mad, passionate renovator. I'm always I always have a project on the go at home. Okay. Much okay. to my father's horror when I phone him on a weekend and say, Dad, I'm thinking about doing this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? What do you reckon? And he, he, I think he cowers in fear, but he's always there behind me. Uh-huh. Do lifting you heed re- his advice? Yes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Uh-huh. At the moment, we've got a, a retaining wall project in the backyard, and he's saying, no, get a professional to do it, and I right. refuse to believe that we can't do it ourselves. So. Uh-huh. Oh, fair enough. Very good. Uh, okay, so um, uh, what I'd like to do on this podcast is really talk people through their careers. And so uh, mm-hmm. to go back to where it all began, tell us about uh, where you were born and your early yes. life, mum, dad, brothers and sisters, yeah, okay. etc. I was a royal uh, Brisbane hospital baby. Right. Um, I grew up on the north side of Brisbane, okay. out and towards the Bay Area, and I, I guess I probably had quite a typical Australian childhood. Um, you know, very active, very outdoor. We mm-hmm. were, you know, swimming. I used to BMX ride competitively. Right. Um, I did, uh-huh. and um, ballet, guitar, all okay. of that sort of thing. We lived across the road from a farm, right. and um, which is now a housing estate, as okay. you can imagine. Um, but we would play up there with the cows and right. feed the molasses. And I'm the eldest of three girls. We're okay. all very close together in age. And what so, did mum and dad do? Um, my father had a contract cleaning company okay. uh, business and yeah. he was a passionate AFL player. He right. played for the Sandgate Hawks. Okay. Um, and my mum, before kids, was involved in advertising and okay. then post-children um, either managed or owned various upmarket clothing boutiques. Right. Okay. So, Sure. On and off over the years, she uh-huh. sort of dipped her toe in and out as, okay. we, as we grew up. And your uh, sisters have gone on to professional careers as well? My, my next sister down lives in Sydney. She's okay. in talent management okay. and she manages a raft of chefs, um, actors, singers, bands. Uh-huh. Oh, and all really? That sort of thing. Okay. Um, and my, my younger sister lives in, she's recently moved to Perth. She's a mum. She's got two little babies. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, good. And so... Um, uh, High schooling, uh, primary school, yep. all in Brisbane? All in Brisbane. We went to St. Flannan's okay. Convent School right. and then followed by St. Rita's okay. um, at Clayfield. Right. So good, solid Catholic um, Brisbane school upbringing. Okay. Yes. And then from there straight into Stranger uni? Stranger uni, yeah. Right. I couldn't wait to get um, out into the workforce. I used okay. To, I used to volunteer down at Eventide Old People's Home, reading right. stories for for the oldies as a as a younger teenager. Right. I even won a, a poetry writing prize. I've still okay. got the book that I won to this day. Um, and then I worked for Dad's uh, contract cleaning company on and off as a as a younger right. child. Yeah. We used to love cleaning the the taverns and things because there'd always be money in the troughs at the oh, bottom. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, we used to make more than we'd make cleaning yeah, uh, right. by just going through the troughs. But mm. he also cleaned Bayards. I don't know if you remember, Bayards was a, cl- a, a haberdashery type store, like okay. Spotlight. So yeah. we used to muck around with the with the uh, fabric oh, benches right. and, and right. imagine we were playing shopkeepers. Uh-huh. But And then I went to... Um, I decided to do QUT part-time law mm-hmm. um, and do five-year articles of okay. clerkship, which is no longer available these right. days. But I couldn't wait to get into the workforce. I mm-hmm. sort of thought I'd had enough of school. I was mm-hmm. pretty much ready to leave school by about year 10. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and I just got out into the workforce and I was an article clerk at one firm and then I moved firms um, and then did the majority of my articles with a firm that used to be called McGillvray's that is oh, now yes. Gaydon's. Yeah. And so you did it in conjunction with your whole five years of study? Yes, yes. Right, okay. Yes, so you're so working parallel to study yeah, working from day f- one? Yeah, working full time right. and you would, you would have three nights of lecturers okay. at QUT. Um, that's when you went. I think, right. don't think we were as diligent as uh-huh. some of the younger kids these days. Um, but uh, but I think I, it was six six year degree, and yeah. I got a bit impatient towards the end, as I'm well known to do. And I turned two years into one and okay. finished it in, in the five. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. And so, um, uh, what happened from there? Uh, what did I do from there? I haven't had. Um, I'm probably not someone who has had that laminated shiny career plan on the wall. Yeah. Um, I have been very lucky with my career. I've had a bit mm-hmm. of a jigsaw career. And so following that, I started my own... I left McGillvray's, went on the world adventure, as everyone okay. did in those days. Right. And, uh, and came back and thought, well, what, what's the market doing? McGillvray's were known to be a banking and finance firm. Mm-hmm. So I approached a whole lot of their mortgage broker clients and then I started a boutique mobile conveyancing property okay. law practice right and so which sort of merged into property and commercial law um you started that yourself yes right, yes okay. and so um i used to go mobile and right. signing people up at night after okay. their mortgage documents and, and doing their conveyances i must have been oh, mid-20s wow pretty gutsy yes man. yes it was right and uh, it was a little good fun too it provided me with flexibility sure. but also i could also do my passion which was house renovating right I currently live in my 16th house okay okay so i love renovating i don't know why but i think it just i can do the physical and the creative mm-hmm. and then i'm in my brain mm-hmm. the rest of the time mm-hmm. so and so as uh, somebody you know at a relatively young age starting your own business pretty gutsy move you know what what resources did you bring around you to help you to make that a a successful decision (laughs) mum dad uh, (laughs) a lot of my friends that were having babies at that time and so um they were you know stay-at-home mums and so i would subcontract them to do some of the sign-ups they were lawyers okay so obviously they had practicing certificates just on hold right but um um, just about anything that opened and shut, I, uh, I took on and, right. uh, it was, it was a bit of fun. It was a bit of learning as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, jump in the deep end and mm-hmm. or jump and the net will appear as my grandmother used to always say to me. And miraculously, it always seems to have had appeared in my life. Okay. So, um, I did that for a little while and then, um, how long is a little while? Oh, about three years. Okay. About three years. And I uh, fell pregnant with my daughter, right. Isabel, who's now 18. Okay. She's studying commerce arts at UQ. And, um, and then very quickly after I'd had Isabel, I think around seven or eight weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with my son, Oscar, right. uh-huh. who's aged 17. He's in his final year of uh, 12 at Churchy. So okay. I'm literally counting the days till we don't have any school in our family. Right. Uh-huh. So when I had them, I, I thought, well, what am I going to do next? So I looked at the world and I decided that I'd like to do a little bit more study. Right. So I enrolled at QUT and um, obtained a graduate certificate in property economics with mm-hmm. an under with a minor in project management. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did while I had babies. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, the idea being that that would round out your professional work as well as your own personal yes, passion. Yes, correct. Right. Yeah, okay. correct. So. Um, so I did that for a little while um, mm-hmm. and and then renovated and then built and then what was undergoing a subdivision at the time. It was all very busy. It was, everything was happening at once at that time. That was in the early 2000s. Right. Um, 
And then I was approached for a really interesting gig, actually, that I think was... There were probably two turning points in my career, if I think about the path, um, which took me into a completely different area, but uh, the law degree sort of helped support. Mm -hmm. And the first of which was at the Sustainable Industries Division of the Environmental Protection Authority. Mm -hmm. So it was a non-regulatory unit that was created to try to balance out a little bit more of the green side of the mm -hmm. of the EPA in, in the government department. So there, uh, that was run by um, Professor John Cole, who mm -hmm. um, remains and, and was one of my very early career mentors. Okay. Um, my role was in the regulatory frameworks area. So you name it, we developed frameworks and then negotiated with the green um, mm -hmm. side, all the planning frameworks, all of the other department um, referral agencies and, and the developers to try and meet somewhere in the middle to keep mm -hmm. the wheels of the state turning as okay. far as transfer duties and stamp duties. Mm -hmm. and it was a very interesting time. I learnt about koala corridors and black-throated finches. And okay. The difference between calling and mating of the something wallow right. frog. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was in the early days also of Springfield right. master planning, sure. the Arabilba, yeah. the Oxy Creek Catchment Association. Okay. So, so what pretty it, hot topics at the time. Oh, yeah, 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 it was. And just to try and find your way through to an outcome that mm -hmm. you know people could live with, you know, didn't win all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but just met so many great businessmen and mm -hmm. women in Queensland and and just learnt so much. The learning curve was literally mm -hmm. straight up. But as somebody who, uh, you know, you run your own show, you had a couple of kids, you're doing your housing development mm. personal work, you know, what was the attraction to getting back into not necessarily a corporate career but a, but a, a, a career as an employee again? Um, getting my sort of brain back into gear. Mm -hmm. um, and I was approached by... Um, by the Sustainable Industries Division and the UDIA, and I just thought, what an interesting meaty role. Mm -hmm. What an interesting place to sit between mm -hmm. the Urban Development Institute and the Environmental Protection Authority and try to sure. um, broker deals and yeah. then try to produce policy and mm -hmm. frameworks that would then um, mm -hmm. allow things to keep happening. So, and manage some um, very strong personalities. Very strong personalities. That's where I met Paul Pasali right. in my first original days. Okay. Um, but you know, just some great just some great Brisbane and Queensland characters mm -hmm. along the way. Sure. Scientists, um, mm -hmm. you know, environmental uh, lobbyists, developers, um, planning professionals. You've just got the whole gambit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so from there, whilst I was still there, I was working on a water project um, at Sustainable Industries Division for Agnes Water mm -hmm. for all of that development up there. Mm -hmm. And um, and another, this was the turning point in my career, um, John McAvoy, who was a... Who was a um, who still is a bit of a career mentor for me, but was at the time, um, approached me and said, "Do I want to work for his company that was then called the Perrin Group?" Mm -hmm. And and the Perrin Group played in an interesting place in, in infrastructure projects all around everywhere, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, up north, overseas, um, and it was in a very small specialty called transaction management. Mm -hmm. And so it used to combine what it, what the transaction manager does is it it is contracted to government mm -hmm. or, or a body mm -hmm. that is that thinks that they want to deliver a road project, transport project, mm -hmm. hospital project. And so you can sit at the front end and work through the business case for that, um, run through all the regulatory frameworks around it, the commercial principles, mm -hmm. uh, then go back to cabinet and you know receive the appropriate approvals. 
um, any other funding negotiations that need to take place with other local or federal governments, um, and then run a whole EOI and tender process, uh, mm -hmm. which is and then literally hand it over right. to people that construct it at the end of the day. Um, and mm -hmm. I just had the most amazing opportunities working for that company. Mm -hmm. I worked on... Uh, and then what they used to do is also put some of us into some of the high-risk areas, like, for example, the land access arrangements with landowners and all of the approvals um, for the Western Corridor Water Project. I mm -hmm. ran Recycled Water Project. I ran that for the state, um, the approvals side of it. And... Um, I had the opportunity to work in Townsville on water projects, port project, Newcastle on a university and, wow. and in a sort of city renewal project, Abu Dhabi on a water project. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the team in Abu Dhabi was a huge, huge team of professionals. It was like literally like the United Nations. So mm -hmm. a young girl from Brisbane, it was a complete eye-opener for the world sure. to have every culture and religion and age and colour and such a diverse team. Mm -hmm. And it was a fantastic opportunity for me to work mm -hmm. on that. Um, I also had the opportunity there through uh, the Parent Group's leadership program to attend Harvard's school, uh, Kennedy School of Government mm -hmm. Infrastructure and the Market Economy Program, which, again, was something that I would never have envisaged. Mm -hmm. I remember walking through the Harvard gates thinking, oh, my Lord, what am I doing here? <laughs> uh, so that was good fun. And, and I'm still in touch with several people that I, that I undertook that course with. A couple of them came out and stayed with me recently, so mm -hmm. ex-White House employees. So... Yeah, so there's not been real uh, any real shiny career plan, sure. but just made the most of relationships that I'd built along the way, I guess. And, yeah, and you were and with Perrin for about four years? With Perrin, and then Coffee um, right. is a very large international company mm -hmm. with lots of different arms. There's Coffee mm -hmm. Environment, Coffee Projects, Coffee Geotech. Mm -hmm. We became Coffee Commercial Advisory. Mm -hmm. um, so why did you exit Perrin? You were having a great time. You're getting lots of opportunities. They sold to coffee. Oh, they sold. Yeah, to they coffee. sold to coffee, right, and those okay. and those former directors had okay. left. Yes. Um, I guess the environment subtly changed, mm -hmm. and uh, and I was looking for my next adventure. I'd mm -hmm. been there for some time, four or five years. I think I started in 2006. And, okay. Um, oh, and well, I was a bit of a sucker for punishment because an opportunity came up. Um, to support, to develop the strategy and the implementation delivery of approvals for uh, the APLNG coal seam gas project. Okay, yeah. So I thought, hmm, that could be a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. So um, I started working with Origin on that okay. project. So um, Paige Maxson? Yeah, Paige, yeah. Is, Paige was the CEO of APLNG. So yeah. APLNG was the joint venture mm -hmm. between Origin, Sinopec and ConocoPhillips. Okay. So Origin were responsible for all of the um, upstream approvals, all the land access agreements with, with landowners, mm -hmm. environmental approvals, infrastructure agreements, local councils in the state, and and it was a really fun place to play. They just got the their environmental impact statement, mm -hmm. their approval, and I think it was one of those oh, how do we deliver this thing mm -hmm. kind of moments, and it was a bit like herding cats, really. I imagine it was you know uh, knowing what it was like at the time. Uh, it was almost like uh, the start of the gold rush. Oh, absolutely uh, was. <laughs> absolutely was. gold in them hills, and uh, before you know it, uh, everybody's and his dog uh, want to be playing in that space. Oh, yeah. And from yeah. one end of the spectrum, from perhaps some ethical behaviours right to the other. So yeah, sure. No, it was good. Was a good, it was a good fun time. It, you know, it was challenging. I think those four years were the most exhausting, almost four years. They were exhausting. Uh, they were exciting. Mm -hmm. they, they were 
very challenging. I, I learned to deal with a lot of resilience through that phase because, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, coal seam gas is not a popular product. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been spat at, I've been yelled at, I've had gates locked on me, I've been shot at. And that's um, just in your current role <laughs> in the law society. Um, yeah, but but I just had such a wonderful experience. We had a team of about 208 people between mm-hmm. Brisbane, Chinchilla, Miles and Roma mm-hmm. and um, out there in my high-vis gear and just waking up in that, you know, in the middle of Miles in a camp to a beautiful crisp winter's morning is just mm-hmm. beautiful. And so um, you're working in some pretty challenging roles uh, with highly diverse teams and a lot of external and internal stakeholders mm. that uh, would have been very challenging to deal with. Um, you know, what do you think it was about your personal characteristics that enabled you to be able to fulfil those roles well? I think if I look back on that, if I look back on that time, you know, at the time you don't, you probably, you probably don't think necessarily too much about it. You just mm. sort of are in it so you you do yourself and look there's plenty of mistakes that you make nothing's Mm -hmm. ever perfect in your career as you know Mm -hmm. um but i think there's probably a there's probably a blend in me of real strength and you know people will say sometimes i you know get something by the horns and just don't let it go like a dog with a bone um until i get the outcome and sometimes that's an exhausting process Mm -hmm. but you know what you have to do and and the way that you have to um deliver uh things you know strategy um and then there's a softer, friendlier side. I, I don't think that works necessarily uh, stress. I like mm-hmm. to use the word le- workers lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, it becomes far less stressful once you think about work mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm um, probably, you know, I can push and pull a few different levers as far as softness, strength, mm-hmm. resilience, just sometimes sheer yelling at drillers not to do the things that you've asked them not to mm-hmm. do and, mm-hmm. you know, do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Um, to okay, let's let down our hair and have some fun now. Right. You know, so and not be afraid to get in there amongst it and sure. participate in the touch competition or the yeah. you know, watermelon water skiing in Chinchilla <laughs> or you know, it could look like a complete fool with watermelon seeds all over you. That's right. pretty, the watermelon festival at Chinchilla is a very fun event. If right. you ever get a chance to go, I can highly recommend it. Okay. And uh, you know, just to top things off, uh, you've got two kids, you've got your private development, you've got a very full-on job. You got some board roles in too. I do. Yeah. Yes, I and do. So that was around that time that uh, you joined what Gladstone Area Water Board. I sat on Gladstone Area Water Board way back when. I spent about four odd years on that board. Okay. Um, and that was a really. That I've was never around s- the same time as Origin, wasn't it? Uh, I. Th- I think Gladstone Water Board, I'm just trying to think when I started on that board, might have been about 2008, nine okay. until Origin, just post-Origin. Right. Um, but I'd never set foot in Gladstone until I got a role on that board. Mm-hmm. And it was just because I'd been, been involved in so many water infrastructure sure. projects, yeah. I obviously I, they were looking for that combination of yeah. project management and legal skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and female, I guess I added a bit of diversity to mm-hmm. the board. The chair was a woman called Mary Boydell. She was an amazing I've mentor. I loved watching her work. Yeah really enjoyed what working with her um and just a fun just just very nice people very genuine mm-hmm. very authentic i think um authenticity i know it's a word thrown around a little bit more today but it, it truly represents the core of why you're attracted to working with different people when mm-hmm. they when they do all of their decisions are based on their authenticity mm-hmm. so i've tried to emulate that as much as i can in my mm-hmm. in my um career what would be uh you know, an example that you'd think of that would be a good representation of that? Um, I think not being um, 
too proud to say, I don't know the answer. Okay. Or, gee, that was a mistake and mm-hmm. uh, perhaps I could look at doing that a different way mm-hmm. next time. I think um, I think too many times if I look at my, as myself as a young lawyer and I look at some of the more senior practitioners or some of the senior leaders that I worked with in other organisations, they were very proud and they never admitted mistakes mm-hmm. or anything like that. And I just think, mm-hmm. you do make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Sure. Um, so, you know, I always say about parenting my kids, I hope to do the best that I can do and hope I have money for psychology later. <laughs> <laughs> for them or for you? <laughs> for them. <laughs> but, you know, I think if you go into it boots and all and you remain authentic and true to yourself and yeah. all your decisions are based on what you, your mm-hmm. values, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, you, you, you come out the other end pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good. Mm. And so Origin then led into Powerlink? Powerlink, yeah. Powerlink was a gig. It was a really interesting role with Powerlink. That was the gem of their network property Mm -hmm. area. And what they were seeking to do at the time was understand the security of tenure around all of their their network assets, which is, you know, Powerlink has got huge transmission assets all Mm -hmm. over the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the point of this was originally to put uh, this material into a data room for proposed future sale okay. that never eventuated because sure. of the change in government and it was a yeah it was just a really interesting role lovely people i enjoyed working with everybody at powerlink and i remain in touch with them today mm-hmm. in fact i'm informally mentoring one of my former direct reports and she's going on gangbusters so okay. um I, in every role that i've had i like to informally mentor people and coach mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. I just get such satisfaction from that and I got mm-hmm. a lot of satisfaction from working at Powerlink mm-hmm. um, and then the gig for CEO of Queensland Law Society came up and right. it was just too attractive to say no to. Right, so that to me uh, seems like very mm-hmm. much a, a left turn in your career mm. uh, and you know given your background uh, Granted, you're a lawyer by background, but it seems a, an unusual um, segue. So talk us through how that all came to be. I think if we look at the legal profession, and I have a lot of friends, relatives, um, former relatives um, in the legal profession, right. there, is, there, is some tough, there is some tough life out there. It's mm-hmm. very stressful at the moment. Um, as a lawyer? As a lawyer. Okay. Um, you know, in finding that? work, uh, I think the, um, the you know, that buzzword, which I'm not going to use, but I will, um, digital disruption, yeah. you know, is come has come to our industry, and sure. and I think those that get on board with it mm. and truly understand it are mm. those that will be there in the long run. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of law, there are a lot of things that lawyers do in their practices mm-hmm. that will be replaced mm-hmm. um, with. Um, technological advancements mm. in process and practice. Mm. So, I was only talking to, uh, I interviewed Campbell Newman for the podcast mm. yesterday, uh, who's very interested in this uh, area of digital disruption about a movie on uh, YouTube called uh, Humans Need Not Apply. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's a little 15 minute movie about, you know, the industries that are going to be massively affected. Yep. And, uh, and law is one of those, mm. you know, where um, they're saying potentially 75% of working lawyers will no longer work in the profession. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. Mm, mm. It is a big deal. I don't think it's a... I mean, there, there, is a, there is an element of it that's very scary, mm-hmm. um, but there's also an element that provides opportunities for the, the lawyers that get on board and say, well, what can we do yeah. to make our systems and processes cheaper mm-hmm. and easier for us to be able to sell services? Because mm-hmm. that's what lawyers do. We sell our time yeah. and what's in our head. 
Mm-hmm. That's uh, you know that's basically what a lawyer does to service a client's need, mm-hmm. whether that's in criminal law, family law, mm-hmm. or uh, commercial law. Um, I think that there will always be a need for that personal service type role as a mm-hmm. lawyer. Um, that's one part of it, mm-hmm. and then anything else is really a commoditized product, mm-hmm. I guess, in the long run. So. Mm. So for me, you know, the Law Society is a, is a very well-honoured, very steeped in tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and membership associations are struggling, you know, like uh, all across the board, doesn't matter what membership mm-hmm. category you're in, mm-hmm. to provide ongoing relevance and value. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was an opportunity that I could bring everything that I've learnt mm-hmm. to bear. And so how did, the, uh, how did it first come up on your radar? How did you become aware of the vacancy? I got a phone call from a recruiter. Oh, so that's those bloody recruiters. Right. And said, uh, your name's been put forward. We'd right. really like to talk to you about this role. And why do you think you were on their radar? Um, well, then I got a phone call from the person that had given okay. them my name. Right. And I said, well, you could have phoned me about an hour ago. Right. Um, I've already got the call. So uh, I just looked at the opportunity to totally tr- transform the Law Society to be able to deliver much more um, 2016 or to 2020, you know, products and services to a profession that was, you know, about to come Mm -hmm. through such a, such a stressful Mm -hmm. time. But what, what do you think it was about your background that they looked at and went even prior to talking to you, wow, this, this could be our person. I think they were looking for change. I think they were looking for someone to be able to take the organisation into the next Next yeah. area, okay. Um, that well, that it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've we've got people there that have been there their whole lives, mm-hmm. their whole, whole careers. Um, and you need those. You need all that corporate memory. Mm-hmm. Um, at, but you also need people doing new things and mm-hmm. and providing different sort of online learning mm-hmm. platforms and mm-hmm. digitised products and services. So, um, I think perhaps they saw me as a bit of a change agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. I think throughout the course of my career, you know, I've, I've looked at a situation and dealt with a lot of change and then tried to bring it back together to tie mm-hmm. a pink bow around it mm-hmm. and hand it over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I look at the regulatory frameworks role at the Sustainable Industries Division, it was very much that. It was taking all the stuff that was going on around and all the noise and mm-hmm. trying to be able to move forward with a strategy mm-hmm. in order to get a good result at the end of the day. I mean, really, that's what the origin role was. It was, you know, herding cats to get mm-hmm. deals across the line at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It was landholder arrangements. It was you know, um, environmental approvals. It was all, you know, how do we use this road when there's the school bus or there's, you know, the local mums and dads driving their kids to and from school. Mm-hmm. You only needed one truck carrying, oh. you know, 100 tonnes of kit on it to hit someone. And yeah. We would have been out of work yeah um so you know perhaps perhaps that's what they saw okay i think very much those roles you know transaction management's all about an idea and then letting it sprout and taking it mm-hmm. taking all the different tentacles together and then coming back mm-hmm. and moving forward mm. and so uh, uh i'm always interested in talking to ceos at sort of critical milestones first 90 days First, you know, 12 months mm. is an interesting one too. So um, when you started in the role, hi, Amelia, welcome. What was the mandate? You know, what, what, what were the, uh, the priority things that you, the board were looking for you to achieve for them in this first 12-month period? Um, I think it was transform the organisation mm-hmm. to be one that reflects a, a, a guaranteed level of relevance and value for the mm-hmm. profession. Mm-hmm. 
um, make my, I mean my mandate to be all wrapped in because we had an agreed mandate going forward. I sat down with the president mm-hmm. and the deputy president um, and formulated that together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I at my I had to do a presentation to the full council before I um, as as the last step of the recruitment process. And, yeah. And uh, I just articulated all the issues and all the challenges and what mm. I thought the strategy should be going forward that I wanted to talk to them about. And, and it was around, you know, delivering relevance and value. And, mm. and at the end of the day, it's about um, providing good law and good lawyers. Mm-hmm. So, and so at that time, were the member body feeling that they weren't getting those things? I think there had been that feedback. And okay. don't forget, I have been a member, so I know. Right, sure. <laughs> What I would have said to the CEO. Okay. Um, so there were there were some uh, there were some clear things that needed to change. Yes, there were clear right. things. Okay. And there were clear things around um, strategies involving advocacy, okay. involving um, uh, lifting the profile of the mm-hmm. profession. Um, for many many years, lawyers mm-hmm. have been considered right next to used car salesmen and when worse. And recruiters. So and recruiters. <laughs> that's right. Um, I've just got a bit tired of that. You're right. So um, so I just did a complete restructure. That was tough. Okay. That was tough going through that process. Um, it's tough for anyone. It has a ripple effect through mm-hmm. the organisation then, as far as people feeling secure in their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I you know I sort of I, I sat there at first and thought. Do I just rip the Band-Aid off or do I right. do this slowly? And, and I did the first couple. Because, mm-hmm. you know, yourself in a new role, you, you don't want to pull the levers too hard that the place breaks because it's yeah. still got to operate. Yeah. So um, I was really conscious of how hard I pulled the levers. And I just mm-hmm. did a couple of little tries and then the ripple effect was people being... Because there hadn't been a lot of change at the mm-hmm. Law Society in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And we really needed to recruit some key roles mm-hmm. to deliver the strategy, roles that weren't there at the time. Mm-hmm. So... There were new people. There were. It was, you know. So anyway, I, I remember walking into my GM of HR's office one day late last year, and I just said, "I've just got to rip this bandaid off. I can't have my people feeling this way, feeling mm-hmm. insecure, feeling, you know, like some they're boxing at shadows every day, and mm-hmm. and I just I can't do it to them because you know I'm a sole parent with mm-hmm. with children and you know a mortgage and mm-hmm. two dogs and a cat and a, you know. A whole lot that I've got to keep running, mm-hmm. and I think you know you deserve you deserve to respect your people. People mm-hmm. deserve that respect. So we just it was very intense planning for for that, but mm-hmm. we just literally did it pretty much every change mm-hmm. at once. Then mm-hmm. and now uh, twelve months into the role, if you look over that period, you know what what are some of the key achievements that you'd hang your hat on and you'd say you know this is good evidence that I've done my job well. Oh. Um, Huge advocacy success in a lot of our submissions to gov- government. Uh-huh. Um, we are consulted first on just about every initiative now from okay. the Attorney General's office, right. uh, from from any minister's office, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... I mean, you probably can't open a newspaper with the Law Society being mentioned in it these days. Um, but that's... A, you know, we, we might uh, turn that down a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's been done... Um, with a with a de- definite strategy in mind to raise the profile of Queensland members okay. of the profession. So how how do you uh, how do you get the uh, the government to really start to sit up and pay attention and uh, and engage to that degree? What what were some of the the things that you did to enable that? We put together a clear strategy on how we wanted the government relations area to look. Okay. How we wanted external affairs. They were the two areas that I. Um, yeah. I put in place. Okay. Um, and we have a very experienced uh, lawyer 
former, former he was at the Law Society for ten years and went to Law Council mm-hmm. in Canberra, who who um, has come back mm-hmm. in our government relations role, and he's very very bright, intelligent, well. Mm-hmm. Very considered person, and um, putting those people of that standard in front of an attorney general is, mm-hmm. is always a winning mm-hmm. ticket. Um, we've got a very experienced former court reporter in mm-hmm. our in our external affairs team, and who writes very considered articles, and they're deliberately placed and deliberately worded mm-hmm. um, to deliver you know, any message. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think it was a. The secret to the success has been a well thought through strategy, mm-hmm. and then an engagement. Where we've engaged with the head of every um, department, mm-hmm. as well as the ministers, mm-hmm. as well as um, the judiciary, uh, so that everybody is very clear on what our strategy is, and um, our we're open for business. Our mm-hmm. doors always open, so that's proving um, quite a quite a quite a good success actually. Okay, and uh, and so advocacy has uh, been a, a great uh, achievement. What else? Some of the development of some of my leadership team, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you inherit a team, you don't quite know what to expect. Um, and there's been some little gems that mm-hmm. have risen out of the out of that pool. Um, so developing them has been um, a very much a success. We're, okay. we're seeing a lot of success in some of the initiatives that mm-hmm. we've introduced. Um, the basic pla- the basic underpinning of our whole philosophy and strategy moving forward is a is our IT roadmap. Mm-hmm. to bring our IT system into the, mm-hmm. the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just facil- that just enables a whole lot of uh, services and webinars and mm-hmm. platforms, all sorts of things that can mm-hmm. happen after that, um, which will improve the efficiency of our business so mm-hmm. that we can provide that greater value mm-hmm. and greater effectiveness to our members. Okay. Um, so those would be my two okay, great. big successes, I okay. think. Let's talk uh, sort of more broadly um, uh, about not only the legal but also professional services and in general, mm-hmm. inclusive of membership services because you obviously uh, um, you've got a, uh, a degree of perspective across that. We, we talked earlier about you know the the changing market and digital disruption and uh, so if you were um, uh, voicing your thoughts about you know some of the substantive changes that need to happen in order for companies to remain relevant. You know, well, what are the what are the sort of the the key drivers that you think people need to pay attention to? I think um, I think any professional services organisation has to understand what their business is, mm-hmm. who their clients are, mm-hmm. and deliver a strategy around that. Mm-hmm. I think some of the some of the digital disruption that's out there is actually quite useful and beneficial to some organisations that have got on board with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I think the changing way, nature of the way people work mm-hmm. uh, is going to have a big impact, but I, th- I see that as a positive in some ways for professional service firms in particular because rather than the $4,000 a square metre office oh, full sure. of people, yeah. you could have a much more flex- flexible workforce mm-hmm. um, so that you probably don't need the three floors, you just need one. Mm-hmm. And what that does to the, com- the commercial leasing market of Brisbane, I'm not sure. But um, but I'm just seeing the way people are, if they're open to that more flexible way of working, if they're open to really understanding what they do as a business, mm-hmm. then I think that they, and then they, they look at the tools and the enablers out there in the digital disruptive space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got mortgage, you've got law firms getting their mortgage documents um, prepared in Manila. Mm-hmm. You've got... Um, 
You've got other law firms undertaking all of their case management work out of India. Mm-hmm. Portugal's delivering services to law firms mm-hmm. in Brisbane, which is a very effective way, particularly in the commercial litigation space, to turn work around overnight with mm-hmm. the time difference. Yeah. So, so all of those things around, I don't like to use the word cost-cutting, but it's mm-hmm. it's just a, a more clever way of doing of understanding a business. Yeah. Becoming more efficient and yeah. therefore becoming more effective. So mm-hmm. I think the organisations that don't really truly understand who mm. they are or what market that they want to play in mm-hmm. and so have a go at eight or nine unless they're doing those eight or nine really well mm-hmm. and very strategically i don't think that they will succeed mm-hmm. and what about the sort of the other side of the balance sheet i mean you talk about creating economies to reduce cost but also when you're looking perhaps globally at world's best practice in terms of the provision of services to clients through innovation um, what are some of the exciting things that are happening in the law space Oh, my goodness, there's so much exciting happening in the law space. I think, um, well, you know, we've got PEXA, which is the first online um, settlement tool that's come out. Okay. Um, what does that mean? Well, you can... Oh, I don't really understand the full concept okay. of it at the right. moment. I'm still learning about PEXA. Right. Um, some other organisation... Actually, there is a little startup in Brisbane um, starting a, a trust account tool Mm -hmm. which will if it gets up and we're working with them to understand what the regulatory Mm -hmm. framework needs to Mm -hmm. be around that um, that will enable solicitors to run their trust accounts far more cost effectively and uh, also resource less less resource intensively Um, case management there's a lot of case management platforms being developed at the moment Mm -hmm. around managing litigation files um uh, they're talking about a lot of there's a lot of online dispute resolution mm-hmm. so it's all done online so one side puts their documents one side they have it in a chat room and mm-hmm. um, so I think I think within the next year we will really start to see a lot of these green mm-hmm. shoots um, coming to fruition mm-hmm. and hitting the market whether they'll all succeed mm-hmm. isn't yet to be seen mm-hmm. you sound uh, you know pretty excited about the future for this space so when you know uh, uh, younger people are at school and they're making choices about their career and you know they're, they're potentially seeing the uh, the voices of doom talking about the collapse of the uh, the legal industry which you know by watching TV shows back in the day like LA Law and that's what, right what, I'm watch, what I'm watching at the moment <laughs> is a show called Suits I don't know if you've seen I've that. seen that it's, yes uh, Harvey it's, Specter he's a bit sexy <laughs> it's, a bit, uh, it's ridiculous yet you know, yes. strangely captivating yes but, uh, you know, I love the clothes <laughs> Jessica wears <laughs> and Donna don't forget Donna, <laughs> Donna yes um, but uh, you know, that was a bit of a segue uh, <laughs> but you know you've got young people here who you know are probably hearing in the marketplace the legal industry is in for big big challenges you know, a massive reduction in workforce. And then at the same time, they're watching shows like that and seeing the profession as being incredibly sexy and, mm. you know, dynamic. Mm. And all that. I mean, how do you uh, uh, educate about reality and but also in a way that, you know, really encourages younger people to see this as still, you know, a, a, mm. a highly sought after, you know, um, profession? Um, so... I'll take that in a few different ways. So yes, there are there is a lot of talk at the moment. We've got a national legal workspace force of around sixty thousand currently, and there's around fifteen thousand graduates coming into that every year. So right. those numbers are not sustainable. No. Um, I don't see 
I don't. I see a law degree as a very valuable sort of first degree. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very valuable way of it gives you some critical thinking skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think I see the future of law as, as two things. One, you know, the, the the traditional model of you know being a lawyer and that's what you are and you're delivering yeah. services to a client. But then there's this whole uh, dual degree concept of, mm-hmm. of law that I mean, look at my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is a perfect example of mm-hmm. where I think the future of lawyers mm-hmm. is going, especially with all these all these kids coming out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got coding and law, and you've mm-hmm. got IT and law, and you've got um, you know commerce law. There's so many different opportunities for mm-hmm. kids these days with a, with a, a combined law degree. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily reflect that all of those people will go into that national marketplace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they're the stories mm-hmm. um, that I'd like to see being told. It's mm-hmm. an incredible opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, is that an opportunity sitting in a law firm? Probably not in the mm-hmm. future. Although there is a number mm-hmm. obviously needed, um, and all of the universities <laughs> providing a very um, a very uh, strong pipeline of law graduates. Yeah. Um, how do you, you know, how can you influence universities mm-hmm. into not providing um, so many graduates? I'm unsure. I, I guess you you can be in the conversation. Well, it's it's almost uh, you know some education uh, prior to people selecting their degree mm. of choice um, around those sort of numbers. But I suppose at the end of the day, universities are there to make revenue. That's right. But if, you know, if I'm a 16, 17 year old and I'm thinking I'm gonna be taking on a substantial debt for my education, and if there's a high likelihood that I'm not actually gonna be able to work in that chosen profession, you know, I'm gonna make some pretty tough choices mm-hmm. about whether I wanna you know, spend the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be really interesting to watch this space. Mm. And I think universities also need to, and I think they are in the large part, um, play their part in mm-hmm. in supporting those career opportunities mm-hmm. post uh, graduation, mm-hmm. um, and I think more and more kids. So there's I, there's very few kids who just do a single law degree these days. You're right. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, I think with us telling the message as a as a membership body, mm-hmm. I think the with the universities providing that that support post graduation, um, you know, we'll we'll reach some. Mm-hmm. Some piece in the middle, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a big uh, part of the context of this podcast is the uh, for the audience of aspiring CEOs and non-executive directors to listen to those who have walked the path before them and you know learn some uh, wisdom that they can potentially apply in order to accelerate their own yep. careers. Um, you know, sitting here today as a CEO and uh, having had a very diverse and interesting career, you know, what what were some of the key lessons learned along the way or bits of advice that you would pass on um, to potentially assist these people? Um, My biggest piece of advice is back yourself. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, and I'll give you this example. A couple of people that I mentor, it's really quite interesting. I wasn't as aware of it as I am now. Um, You know, one of the girls that I mentor will say, oh, there's this job that I want to go to for in my organisation. I can't do this bit. I look at the PD. I can't do that bit. Mm -hmm. Here's some criteria. I'm probably not strong there. I'm Mm -hmm. really strong there. One of the blokes that I mentor comes on and goes, I'm going to get this job. Uh, I'm going to nail it. I can do all of it. Yeah. And I think, um, and and I just think... As a young person, just back yourself. If something interests you, yeah. you know, and you think, "Wow, I, I don't, I never thought saw, saw myself working for the Environmental Protection Authority," yeah. but the role 
really interested me. And I think that's the that's the I think a lot of people think that they can just have this sort of cookie cutter career and one mm-hmm. role leads to another leads to another. Well if you're willing to open your eyes and mm-hmm. look right or left, look around you, yeah. Um, talk to a lot of people. I think um, developing um, relationships. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know. And we've all had good and bad ones in mm-hmm. business. Um, and I think talking to people, not being afraid to ask the question. Mm-hmm. I spoke recently in Chinchilla. Though some people invited me back. Some people I used to work for in Origin are on the Chinchilla Chamber of Commerce, and they said, "Come and have a chat to our women's network." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and talk to them about your career and and uh, a couple of the younger kids. I said, well, you know, let's invite some some of the local residents who are studying law. Mm-hmm. Let's invite a couple of the high school students who want to go into law as a career and mm-hmm. really open it up. I got some of the old landowners um, that I knew well back um, to the dinner. I invited them to the dinner, mm-hmm. and. Um, these two girls came up to me and said, oh, we're really excited to be meeting you. I said, good, give me a call. Here's my email address. Right. Um, I'm happy to put you in touch with anyone that you want to talk to uh, if you're thinking about going to QUT. Yeah. Um, but I think being brave enough to talk to different people, to ask them yeah. questions, because there's a lot of good, solid sentiment out there and a, and a, and a lot of goodwill in senior members of any professional body oh, or anywhere that are so willing to help. Yes. But you just have to back yourself and yeah. ask the question. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. You, you know, these are points that I talk to a lot and, you know, reflects my own thinking so much. Uh, um, I recently went to a women diversity dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was filled with, you know, 100 women who were quite angst-ridden about being denied opportunities by men. And I went and I did a review of the previous month. We'd recruited four C-level roles, three of which were in not-for-profit. Mm. And across the four roles, there were 800 unique applicants. Wow. In every incident, the client had said, we would absolutely love a female. Mm. Of the entire candidate pool, what percent of women were, what percentage of applicants were women? 7%. You know, and so, you know, I think there is this historic thought that women are being denied opportunities. And yet, as a recruiter, I can say in 99.9% of instances, the client is saying, we want, you know, diversity. And yet, women look at ads, Mm. you know, and they look for reasons not to apply, Mm. whereas men look at ads and they, you know, um, perhaps, are a little too bullish in terms of their background. Oh, 300? I'm asking yeah. for four. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is that um, people want to help people. You know? I, th- and I it, think they And if too. you reach out and you say, I'd love, could you help me please? You know, again, 99% of the time, you know, people love to help, um, particularly younger people coming through. And I think so, that message needs to get out there more and more. Uh, absolutely. You know, I, you, this is what I preach in terms of job uh uh, people searching for new uh, roles is forget the recruiter, you know, go directly to your employers of choice mm. and get on their radar, you mm. know. Um, mm. We could talk about that uh, uh, mm. for ad infinitum, but people yeah. who listen to this podcast are regularly probably a bit sick and tired of me talking about it. <laughs> um, okay, great. So uh, now looking to the future, you know, you've been mm. in your role for a year. If we were sitting down in 10 years' time and having a conversation, what would you hope to be uh, doing then? Oh, um, I would like to eventually transition into full-time non-executive director mm-hmm. roles. Yeah. Um, I think given the diversity of my career and what I've managed to um, implement, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I truly love sitting on boards. I truly love influencing the strategy of organisations and then mm-hmm. watching the CEO and management team 
develop to deliver it. Mm-hmm. Um, and purposefully, I'm very lucky that I have got diverse range of boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew nothing about IT traffic management signalling when mm-hmm. I started on Transmax, and mm-hmm. now I understand emergency vehicle priority and how an ambulance can send a signal and right. all the lights can change okay, and yeah. trains can stop and right. it's all pretty fantastic. Um, so I would suggest that probably another CEO role, maybe two. Okay. And um, and then perhaps add an NED role to my portfolio each year from next year. Okay. Um, apartment in the city and a uh, little cottage in Bangalore okay. and I'm done. You got Happy. sorted. For somebody who didn't have a plan to begin with. I've so. got that end of life plan. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for my children right. to leave. I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, but yeah. I know. Don't know how, right. but I, that's where. Oh, that's excellent. And uh, final question before I let you go, because uh, I know you've probably got a busy afternoon. Um, you, we've talked a lot about work today and uh, uh, you've talked about your kids and property development and so on, but you know, what are the other things that you like to do to keep your petrol tank full and uh, yes. you know, uh, uh, in your non-working time? Um, I like to travel. I like to plan to travel. Um, so yoga, I do a lot of yoga. I'm right. addicted to yoga retreats. I read that in yes. your uh, oh, yes. summary. I went to a yoga retreat in Tuscany this year and I'm looking at one in Sardinia for next year. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so um, if I can, well, I've been speaking to the owner of this yoga uh, company okay. that I attended in Tuscany and there's a whole lot of us lobbying right. for Sardinia. So. Uh-huh. I'm planning that, and I'm planning a cycling trip through Cuba, so okay. that will be fun. Wow. Um, renovate gardening, as I said, I've got yeah. this uh, retaining wall project on the go at the okay. moment, and um, I'm absolutely addicted to house magazines. It's a big joke in my family. Right. There's three things, there's three places the kids laugh whenever I say I'm going somewhere. A delicatessen, because I always come home with hundreds of dollars of food. Right. A seafood shop, <laughs> and uh, and the news agent because right. I come home with every house magazine. I, was, uh-huh. I don't know how much money I have spent on house magazines over the years, but okay. I just enjoy escaping into that world right. and planning different things and painting rooms different colours every year. Uh-huh. And it sounds like you have a very busy and fun life. Yeah, it is fun. I really enjoy. I'm really enjoying life at the moment. It's oh, good. It's excellent. Mm. And uh, and uh, you know also a semi professional competitive dancer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I'm not sure that I will uh, compete in dancing CEOs again, but can I tell you, it was just such a fun thing to do because I had only just started in the role at Queensland Mm. Law Society and Cara Cook, who was the the head lawyer at Women's Legal Service, sits on our council and she said, right, you have to compete in dancing CEOs and and I can get up and talk in front of a cast of thousands but not dance in front of them. I mean, I'm not a particularly good dancer. I'm all right on the deck after a wine with, right. my, with my sisters. I'm yeah. a fantastic dancer. <laughs> but in front of 800-odd people in a room, I'll just say I wasn't the worst, but I wasn't right. the best. <laughs> but uh, you raised over $11,000. Yes, down. yes, I did. So yes. Uh, a great achievement. I had six tables with family and friends there, wow. so it was, uh, it, was a great, it was a great evening, lots of good fun. And uh, I met some, some of the other CEOs, which is fantastic, interesting, mm-hmm. diver- from all sorts of diverse parts of you know the, the professional and, yeah. and business world okay it was good fun awesome mm. well, look i really appreciate your time uh thanks thanks, thanks for, for having me we will uh, be putting in our show notes links to your linkedin profile and queensland law society and other things we've discussed today fantastic but uh have a fantastic afternoon thanks richard thank you Well, thanks again for joining me on the Arate podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Amelia. I'm looking forward to having you along for further episodes. And in the meantime, have a fantastic week.